Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the Gospel of Mark. Today is episode 919, and we're looking at Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Let's read the passage. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. As soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of Mark. And we've seen already the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He began with John the Baptist. John the Baptist was calling for people to repent of their sins. and He was baptizing them, immersing them in the water of the river, to ceremonialize their repentance of sin. And he was announcing the coming of one greater than him. He said he wasn't worthy to untie his sandals. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now Mark introduced John the Baptist with an Old Testament quote about one in the wilderness preparing the way for the Lord. So that's the background to it. Now we have the baptism of Jesus. Verse 9, in those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. Pretty simple. Mark doesn't give any kind of background to this. He just presents Jesus as an adult. Here he is. No genealogy, no childhood, no background at all. Just here's Jesus as an adult. He says, in those days. In what days? in the days that John the Baptist was baptizing at the Jordan. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth. Matthew tells us that's Jesus' hometown, which is in Galilee. And then he was baptized in the Jordan by John. Pretty straightforward. Verse 10, as soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Now, CSB translates as soon as he came up out of the water. It's literally immediately coming up out of the water. And this word immediately, or it's translated in various ways in English, but Mark in his short gospel uses this word 42 times. And it's just the way Mark uses it to say, and this happened all of a sudden. This happened quickly. This happened soon, immediately. And as soon as he came up out of the water, there's two ways you could read this. And it kind of goes along with your view of what baptism is. As soon as he came up out of the water, meaning as soon as he emerged through the surface of the water from underwater, or as soon as he came up out of the river onto the bank of the river. Well, the word baptized means immersed. And so the, the context, if you just understand immersion as baptism, that it would be as soon as he came from underwater to above the water. As soon as that happened, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Now, what's the significance of dove? There's not really much Jewish association with the Spirit of God and a dove. But with something very common in Christian imagery is the Holy Spirit seen as a dove. That's because of this, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. Verse 11, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. 
So a voice from heaven. It doesn't say it's God. Well, of course it's God, this voice from heaven. But often the Jews avoid saying the name of God. So they use heaven kind of as a substitute for God, like the kingdom of heaven. So a voice from heaven. God spoke here and says, you're my beloved son with you. I'm well pleased. Question, did others hear this? Because here he's speaking directly to Jesus. Do others there, do they see the spirit descending like a dove? Do they hear the voice from heaven? We don't know and can't really say. The author does not tell us. Now, later in chapter 9 of Mark's gospel, we'll have the Mount of Transfiguration. There are three disciples, Peter, James, and John, who are with Jesus on Mount of Transfiguration do hear a very similar language, a voice from heaven saying, this is my son, listen to him. But in this instance, we don't know if anybody else hears this or not. In which case, how do they know about it? Well, either the Holy Spirit supernaturally informed them of it or Jesus told them about it. Well, what do we make of all this? I mean, questions are, biggest one, why does Jesus get baptized because what is John doing? He's doing this baptism of repentance. And what is repentance? It's turning from sin. He's asking people to repent of their sin. Jesus is sinless. So why is he being baptized? Well, Jesus' baptism is recorded in the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. All three of them. It's a very similar description in each of them. Matthew has a little extra in when John the Baptist pushes back and doesn't want to do it because he has the same question. Okay, I'm calling for people to repent of their sin and you are sinless. Why do you need to be baptized? Well, it has to do with what is redemption. If we go back to the whole issue of redemption, go back to the Garden of Eden when we first had sin, and the fall of mankind, the separation from God because of sin, we see there a promise of redemption. The promise that the woman, Eve, her offspring, which will bring redemption. And we know that's Christ that he's talking about. And part of John's message, repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew tells us that in the Gospel of John, John the Baptist sees Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In Matthew's description of the baptism in Matthew 3, Jesus comes to be baptized by John. John recognizes that Jesus is superior. He says, I should be baptized by you. But Jesus says, Let it be so now, for it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And explain what that means, but it seems to satisfy John because John then baptizes him. But how is this? You know, how is Jesus' baptism a fulfillment of all righteousness? Well, it has to do with him identifying with sinners. Remember, what's Jesus' mission? His mission is all going to be culminated at the cross when he dies for the sins of the world. When he takes the sins of the world on himself and offers himself as the sacrificial lamb to pay the penalty of sin. So here he is identifying with sinners in the act of baptism in which he will be a sin bearer when he dies on the cross. So it's an act of humility where he's 
consents to be counted as if he were a sinner along with everyone else. So it's all pointing toward the cross. So Jesus is not repenting of sin because he needs to repent. He is sinless. He is being counted as sinners because he's going to die with sinners bearing the sins of the world. And we have the Spirit of God descending. Now, there's an interesting question that goes here. Did not Jesus have the Holy Spirit before this point? Well, this is where we get into some hard-to-understand concepts because we're dealing with the Trinity. And that's where we just have, often have to step back and say, okay, I, I believe what the Bible tells us, even though I don't fully understand it, because the Trinity is a hard thing to understand. And the fact that I don't fully understand the nature of the Trinity, I should be okay with that. If I thought I understood it well, then I probably have a really dim view of the Trinity. So the biblical doctrine of Trinity, each of the three persons of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is fully God. But there is one God, and they indwell each other in some way that we don't fully understand. So God the Son has always been associated with God the Holy Spirit. This all has to do, this Spirit coming down as a dove, has to do with the human nature of Jesus. Because God the Son is always tight with God the Holy Spirit and God the Father. So this has to deal with the humanity of Jesus, the Holy Spirit coming to empower and infuse Jesus in his humanity. And then you have the voice of the Father. So this is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. There's some Old Testament language there. It's... Uh, Psalm 2, 7, and Isaiah 42, 1 are kind of combined there. Now, throughout the Old Testament, we have several times where we have an appearance of God, and we call that a theophany, an appearance of God. Mount Sinai, where God appears to give the law. Isaiah, where Isaiah sees the throne room of God, and he's called an Ezekiel 1. So we have a lot of these appearances of God. And we have a physical appearance here in the form of a dove, the Holy Spirit descending. We have the voice of God, like the voice of God speaking Isaiah and Ezekiel. And then we have the actual personal presence of God the Son, Jesus Christ. So here we have a really big appearance of God in a Trinitarian format. A lot of people like to look at this and say, okay, Jesus now in his incarnation is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament theophanies, appearances of God. And all this is setting the stage for Jesus beginning his public ministry, which is going to culminate with his death on the cross as a substitute for sinners, where he takes the sins of the world and offers himself as a sacrifice to pay the penalty of sin. And those who respond to him in faith can experience forgiveness of sin, adoption by God. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Mark.